Hey dads, you're listening to Abba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teachings, the better it makes us as dads. Our podcast has now reached the one-year mark. Our first episode in January of 2020 was about explaining sin to our kiddos. Since then, our podcast has been downloaded over 2,000 times in various countries around the world. Shout out to those in Europe that have downloaded our podcast before. We consider this a success, but should we? In this episode, we are going to talk about what it means to be a successful dad and raise successful kids. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. And today we're going to talk about success. All right, for the for the past couple months, when we drive through our in-laws neighborhood, our daughter has been really focused in on this house that burned down recently. Um, you can see it whenever you're driving down the road and it's hard to miss because it's right at the edge of the street. And the one thing I've noticed is just about every time we drive by, there's with few exceptions, my daughter has something to say and it's usually something like i hope that family is okay um she's even said um we should pray for them daddy or one time she even said you know maybe they could live at our house <laughs> and man i just i love that you know the her her heart and her kindness her just just ability to see things that I feel like as we grow into, you know, quote, mature adults, um, we just, we just like lose it. And I think that's a little sad, but um, her heart is so open and her attention to that suffering and that empathy, even at her age is just awesome. And then she responds with service and kindness and wanting to do something about it. And that makes me really proud. But then I turn around and I think at the same time, when she is do- doing something like reading a word or, or looking through a book and finishing a puzzle, she draws something that looks cool. And, you know, I think that it's, it's really creative. I just shower praise all over. Oh my God, this is so good. Wow. You did such a great job on this. Let me hang it on the refrigerator. You know, you were doing, you're so smart. You're so like, I, you know, I just keep giving her compliments and praising her for that little thing she does. But then, I don't turn around and when she makes comments of showing that compassion and service and kindness and recognizing suffering uh, in her, in her little world, like I, I, why do I not also completely praise her and make her feel like she is a success herself in her heart, not just because of some, ability that she's achieved some achievement that she is, you know, like made some milestone or, you know, being creative. I feel like I, or I I fear that I'm, I'm showing her the priority of what is success and what is um, good is making some sort of doing some sort of accomplishment or achievement. Um, But then I also, it's, you know, this is the internal battle at the same time. It's not bad that she is growing and learning and doing things. But if I don't, as a dad, 
ensure that my priorities of praising her when she is developing godly character and attitude and demonstrating love and sacrifice and service, that if I don't elevate that higher than the, you know, her being able to do like a math problem, (laughs) then I got my priorities messed up. And it makes me think what, what, you know, what does God define as success? How does he respond to us? And kind of, you know, where, where I should go from here, where we should go. Matt, you're probably speaking to a lot of dads. I know that story resonates with me. Uh, Sometimes I think of the idea of success and I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, they're not really having much success in life right now. Like there's not much they can succeed at. And yet um, when it comes to just simply praising and complimenting and just building them up for those small things, um, I don't really do that very good of a job. Whether it's with my wife, I mean, I'm more grateful than words can express for her and um, choosing to be married to me and, and devoting her life to raising our sons with me and all of these wonderful things. But like verbally, how much do I really praise, again, like you said, the things that deserve you know, successes that deserve that praise and then maybe some things that aren't as important. You know, Do I just not, as a guy, do that great of a job in, in general? And so this episode could probably help us a lot identify man that's kind of a weakness of mine as a dad and you know help me lord to identify the true successes and then and then to praise those things you know some of that might be a uh you know love languages kind of a thing you know some people i know marianne really feels loved through words of affirmation me i don't really care um you you could tell me a compliment or not. I don't, you know, it doesn't kind of rolls off my back, but I think, uh, there is a power to the words of a father affirming. Hmm. Um, I just got done reading, uh, Jacob in Genesis blessing his sons. And, uh, it was a really, it's a really powerful moment in the scripture where he's telling his sons, Come here, so I, I'm about to die. Come here, so I can tell you what's going to happen to you. He blesses his sons. He tells them all these things about the good things that they have done and that they are, and the the bad things that they have done and that they that the bad character traits that they have. And uh, and this comes from Jacob, the man who you know sought his father's blessing, was sneaky and stole his father's blessing from his from his twin brother and. Uh, so I think, you know, there is a scriptural idea of the power of a father's blessing upon their children um, to speak that blessing over them, to speak that praise and encouragement and um, to draw out the good things that you see there. And I think that's a really important responsibility that we have as fathers. And in order to do that well... To have it not be misplaced and have the proper priorities, we need to reorient our perspective of what is it that is important truly and it has an eternal significance yeah. that God views as this is goodness, this is greatness, 
And therefore, I should, as a father, speak that as a blessing, as an encouragement, deem that as a success in my children, so that those behaviors, that those character traits, those actions are encouraged and, and continued and demonstrated by our words and our affirmation that it's something that should keep going. Because if we don't, then what we would do is speak blessing, but it may be for financial success or something. Or, you know, you could, if, you know, if your kid, you know, I don't know, is the, it steals all the toys from their friends. <laughs> you could say, great job. You accumulated great wealth, you know, yeah. <laughs> in, in ways that, and like, what would that, what would that instill in your child of like, wow, I, you know, they said it was wrong, but dad said that was okay. So I guess I'll uh, keep doing this. He, it makes him proud. So I'll, I'll keep it up. That's a That's probably not a good thing to, 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 uh, <laughs> encourage yeah so yeah we need to find out what we need to anchor success to um and that kind of can segue us into some questions and so we've got some discussion questions and some answers that we would like to share with you all as dads and um towards the end of the podcast you'll hear an email address for us and so like if you've got other suggestions or feedback for any of our episodes please use that we'd love to hear from you but one question uh that we want to tackle to today tonight whenever you're listening is what behaviors or accomplishments do we praise our children for I have found myself praising Lucas, my five-year-old, uh, for being kind to or protective of his little brother, Levi. Um, there's those occasional moments in his little life where he's offered to help mommy or daddy do something um, or just be responsible. I know being potty trained now, like it was a, such a challenge for over a year to get that to happen. And now I find him just kind of going on his own and I'm like, dude, great job, like well done. Like you're, you're doing great. You're being responsible. So praying out loud. I mean, that's something that makes me as a, as a father, just so proud of him. And so I find myself sometimes praising those behaviors. What about you guys? Yeah, I am probably most vocal with my daughter when she is, when she thinks about others and makes a statement of, you know, um, like, Oh, I bet mommy would really like this. Like that is, I say, that's really thoughtful. I'm proud of you for, thinking of, of others or when, and this is an interesting one, when she does things independently, I, I, I am really, I think maybe that's a core value of my own and I want to encourage it in her. And this is one that I'm, I'm starting to question after really looking into this topic of when she does things solo, when she takes problems on herself, when she does things on her own, I praise her for it. And Tell her she's doing a great job for, you know, it could be as simple as putting her clothes on, you know, and getting ready for the day or um, cleaning up after herself without being asked um, or following through on something that she knows that she's you know supposed to do. But also whenever she she makes art, you know, I always 
give shower some compliments on her or she's doing something creative or she's taking time to write stuff down or, or read. Um, those are all things that I think I, I definitely, I, I praise her for. Yeah, I think we all tend to praise our kids for stuff that is important to us. Right. Like you said, Matt, with mm-hmm. the core value of kind of being independent and, I'm, we're, we're all kind of creative types. You know, I do tend to praise my kids for drawing things or doing things that I think are really important for them, uh, showing how well they can remember random facts about birds or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, my daughter really struggles with being kind of uh, rebellious a little bit. And so I really try to appraise her for being obedient and, mm-hmm. and, um, and she, but she also has a really, uh, sweet, kind spirit. So I try to praise her for being kind and caring. And I try and praise my boys for being, um, for being kind to each other. Um, but I also, you know, just the other day I was praising little Gideon for being appropriately aggressive. I think it's, uh, it's appropriate for men to be aggressive in certain circumstances. And I try to praise him for being aggressive and, and, and channel that into a proper channel or for being submissive to, to me and their mother. I praise them for that. Um, or being curious about things. I know my oldest Asher is very curious and, uh, he'll want me to, He'll get in his mind something he wants to learn about, and he'll be like, "Dad, look it up on your phone." And I'm like, "All right, let's look it up and let's find out more about that thing." And try and encourage and praise that. So, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's it's probably different for everybody. But you know, we tend to praise the things that we value, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I value those kinds of things: creativity and curiosity and protectiveness and submission to authority. Would you guys agree that as as fathers, there should always be a long list of things that we're praising our kids for? And if we find ourselves just never being, like you said, Brando, just that fatherly voice of praise and compliments, like that that might be a problem. And I mean, we just spent a couple minutes on it, but we listed probably 20 different things just off, mm-hmm. off top of our heads as we think about this podcast of ways that our kids are just incredible little people. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if, if we're not finding ourselves praising our kids as dads or, or blessing them with our words and we're probably not looking close Mm -hmm. enough, or we're probably just not speaking up about the things we're thinking. You know, there's a lot of times we think things that we're proud of and we just kind of keep it to ourselves it's a lesson I've been learning in marriage is uh, every time I think my wife looks beautiful, I just tell her <laughs> and she really loves that. Um, mm-hmm. And she'll be like, yeah, just keep saying that. You know, and I think sometimes it's just <laughs> when you have the thought that's positive, speak it out to your, to your kids, to your, to your wife. It's really a powerful thing. So that, that kind of flips the table around. So, as fathers, what do we pat ourselves on the back for that we think are successes that are, are good, that make us um, 
a successful dad? Is is the view that we have what we think is God's view of us? Is it the world's view? Is it our view? Yeah, often I find that my view of success aligns more with the world's view of success. And uh, that doesn't mean that the world's view is always wrong or opposed to God's view, but just often it's like it I'm kind of more concerned about how my kids are excelling according to the culture and kind of the culture standards that we have here, um, whether it's in school or organized sports or I don't know, just, you know, things that are more like, like the question is asking, is it God's view, the world's view? Is it something I've created in my mind? And so we obviously should measure success more from their character, right? And mm-hmm their love for the Lord and their love for his word. I think I said before on these podcasts that um, my prayer for both my boys is that they would fall in love with the Lord and fall in love with his word. And I mean, I can honestly say right now that that's the most important thing to me, but in the day in day out, yeah, I mean, do I really measure success by that standard or do I find myself kind of just going with the flow of the culture. And mm-hmm. as long as my kids is staying here, staying there, as far as the standards of the world go, is that what I define as success? Yeah. I feel pressure as a dad to produce this academically ahead, socially behaved child that, you know, if she says she wants to be, an astronaut when she grows up, I would be so excited. But if she told me she wanted to be mother Teresa, you know, I don't know what my, (laughs) my response would be. Um, but it's like, it's almost like she will make it when she has made the honors, you know, list in school or that she behaved well in a social setting or came to a dinner party or something and was very nice and respectful um, if she eats her dinner completely, that's a success <laughs> when she's nice to people. Like there's, um, the, in that list is so many world set standards of that. We, we define a good person, a good adult, a good kid as like smart, respectful, easy to get along with, easy to work with, you know, and kind of goes with the flow, but is, uh, has achieved something in life. I think, yeah, that's totally, I think there's some things in there that are, are shared with what God would deem as successful. Um, but I do think that it's definitely influenced by the world. Those are important things for us to do as fathers. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Like we should want, we as dads should be pushing our kids to be successful in their academics, to be socially adjusted, to provide for them the food and the shelter and the, all the things that they need. But ultimately, God's standard is to teach them to know the Lord. Um, that's a successful father. A successful father, a person who is dirt poor, who teaches their kids, his kids to know the Lord, hmm. has been a success. It's it's a new year, you know, so I'm reading through my yearly Bible reading is Genesis and Exodus. And, you know, those... Um, those Exodus, those slaves of the Israelites, they were slaves in Egypt. They had nothing. They weren't teaching their kids to be academically great. But they were teaching their kids to know the Lord, to know Yahweh. And, you know, they 
were successful as parents in as far as they, they taught their kids to know Yahweh, the one true God. And um, that is true success. As dads, we measure success. We might have the right order of loves or have a couple tiers where these ideas are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah. But but that we definitely have priority sets, yeah. uh, priority set, and mm-hmm. that's good. And we need to we need to catch ourselves. Like like my story, that behavior of seeing that that burned house, compassion and kindness and service that she demonstrated. I feel like I should praise that more than I do when she draws a cool picture on a piece of paper. And I do not feel like I did that. And so as she gets older and that trend continues, she may elevate creativity over compassion, art over service a little bit more. Like She's probably still going to value those things, but she is going to respond to what I you know, made important to her. So then how does God praise our behaviors and accomplishments? What does our father do and praise about us that might be different from how we praise our children? So, you know, as I thought about this question, how does God praise our behaviors and our accomplishments? um, I've tried to think about how God praises his people. And I know that he does. Uh, The New Testament talks a lot about do we seek the praises of men rather than the praises of God? Jesus talks about um, loving the praises of men rather than the praises of God. Paul talks about, um, am I seeking to please men or, or God? And I know that there's, we need to seek the glory that comes from God and not from man. Um, so there is a level of praise and recognition from God. Uh, Zephaniah 3 One of my favorite scriptures talks about God exulting over his people with loud singing. Uh, This this idea that God loves his people so much that he's singing over them. He's just singing songs of of love and and of praise to his people that God sings to his people. Like we, we spend so much time singing to God. As a worship pastor, I sing to God all the time. But the thought of God singing over me is incredible. So there is God praising, exalting over his people. There's not a ton of specificity to it, at least in the New Testament. Like it seems to talk about we want the praise of God and not the praise of men, but it doesn't say really why God would praise us. But I think the big issue as I was thinking about this is kind of twofold. One, I think God in those passages that talk about the praise of man versus the praise of God, every one of them seems to be about the heart of why we're doing what we're doing. And it cuts to exactly what we've been talking about. God seems the, the, the consensus of those passages seems to be God praises people when they do things out of a motive that is loving, that is altruistic, that is, centered on his 
purposes and his glory and not out of selfish gain or out of pride or out of um, and uh, putting on a show for others to see. Um, God cares about the inner man and he praises what is inwardly good and seeking him um, rather than what is just outwardly trying to put on a show for the benefit of looking good. Um, mm. God isn't interested in just the external activities. He's interested in why we've done what we've done. Um, and if our reasons are because we want his glory, our reasons are because we love him. Our reasons are because we love our neighbor. Our reasons are those kinds of things. He is satisfied with that and he thinks it's beautiful and he praises that. If our reasons are self-centered or braggadocious, that's a cool word, um, hmm. then he's not interested in that. Um, but I think, so the other part of the the uh, thought here is that God loves us and praises us not primarily because of anything good or worthy in us, but primarily because we belong to him. It's enough mm. to belong to him by grace through faith. Even our righteous deeds, our polluted garments or filthy rags before him, uh, all of our good deeds, even the right motives, even those are tainted, the scripture says, but we have the imputed righteousness of Christ. And so we are loved and praised not because of any acts or any deeds, but because of who we are and who we belong to. And we only belong to him and we only are who we are because of his grace towards us. God loves us because we're his. Um, I try to emphasize that to my kids regularly. I, I tell them all the time, you know, I, that I love them because they're mine. It seems like I'm, maybe I'm weird like this, but you know, whenever I do compliment them about something they've done, I usually try to follow that up with a compliment about how much I just love them because they're my kid. And maybe it's because I know, maybe it's because of my, my past of being such a wretched sinner and knowing how much God's grace means in my life to be in awe of God's grace towards me. But I just try and tell my kids, I love you because you're mine. You don't have to do anything. Even when you're mean to your brother and sister, even when you're a jerk, I love you because you're my kid. I uh, was sitting at the lunch table today and uh, <laughs> little Gideon, my two-year-old, was sitting in my wife's lap and he says, I like you, mommy. It was so cute. And she said, I like you too, Gideon. And so I look over and I tell Gideon, I said, and I like you too, Gideon. And he crawled over, climbed on the table and crawled over the table and climbed up in my lap and said, I like you, daddy. And I said, I like you, Gideon. Marianne leans over to me and she's like, he's learning some confidence there that you yeah. like him. Yeah. And he didn't do anything. 
to deserve me liking him. He was just being Gideon. And, but, uh, that's a safe Harbor that even when he doesn't do the right thing, he knows daddy likes him and daddy loves him and it's good. And and that's the way I think our, our God is about regardless of our successes or our failures, our accomplishments or behaviors, God, if we're in Christ, he loves us just because we're his. And, you know, we we have responsibilities. Like I, ex- I have expectations of my kids, but I love them no matter what. Wow, that's really good. I mean that that's the perfect mirror of of what our Abba Father is. And as you're talking through all this, it makes me think uh, there are passages, like you said, where we know that He delights in us, and I think it's. It's um, in his nature to delight in us. And, of course, the Reformed theology flowing through our veins would say, hey, it's obviously nothing that we have done. It's because of him. And so it makes me wonder, you know, he's delighted in us because of his own redeeming work in us as his people. Um, I mean, the reason that he created us was to enjoy us. I mean, that— I don't mean that to be backwards from like the Westminster confession that says the chief end of man is to enjoy God forever and to glorify him. But at the same time, I mean, he created us. So what are your, you guys have any thoughts on that? The fact that um, of course he delights in his own work and we praise him for his own work. But like this idea that like you, like you with your children, Brando, like you love them because they're yours. Um, What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think God over and over draws that analogy of father to child between himself and us. And there's a there's a delight that a father has in their child, regardless of what they do. Yeah, I think there's something too, you know, God is uh he he created us for his glory, he created us for for his purpose of of showing his love. You know, he was complete in the Trinity. He had perfect love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But he wanted to show that love to someone else. He wanted to show that glory to someone else. And so he's made us just to love us. That's why we exist. like the the really interesting thing that mirrors our own fatherhood is we truly do love our children because of who they are and just because they're our children but we also do praise them for behavior right that are important right and so i think that brings up the question of like what are the behaviors that we can exhibit that in god's eyes are successful are 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 things that we do that are good and i immediately think of especially in the new Testament, when Jesus interacts with people, sometimes he is, he, he condemns them or, or tells them that they're not doing the right thing. And sometimes he 
blesses them and says that they are doing the right thing. You know, there's the Roman centurion comes to to mind in Matthew and he says, Hey, Jesus, you know, I got a guy back at my house and, you know, he needs to be healed, but I know that you're strong and you're the son of God. So you can just say it and it'll happen. And Jesus is like, your faith is so good. You know, I, I, he praises his faith because he understands how strong, how, how long, you know, God's arm is that it doesn't take, um, it doesn't take what the world thinks needs to take for this miracle to happen. Or when Peter is being questioned by Jesus of, you know, what, who do people say that I am? And he says, you know, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say, just, you know, prophet. And he says, well, what about you? And Peter says, you are the son of God. You're the Messiah. And Peter and Jesus is like, blessed are you, Peter. You know, th- like you, you did it. <laughs> Congratulations. Good job, buddy. You, this was not revealed to you by flesh. This is not something that the world gave you. God gave this, this revelation to you. And I'm, I'm, you know, like it's not in the scripture, but I, I hear in between the lines, I'm proud of you. Like you followed the spirit and followed his direction and have believed something that is quite unbelievable. Hmm. And, and that unbelievable thing is me, my name, who I am, Messiah, the son of God. And that goes against a lot of what the world says, but you, you, you have claimed you have believed who I am and rejected the world's claims. So you're blessed, like great job. I think that that kind of behavior of like faith in him, that he can do things that we can't think of and believing in his name of who he truly is, the Messiah, the son of God, and not believing what the world says about him are things that Jesus gets excited about and says is blessed behaviors and is really good things. And, you know, it may be just as simple as what is like, what does God see as important? Calling him who he is, believing who he is, regardless of what the world says and knowing his strength and being faithful to to it, that his promises will be fulfilled regardless of what our doubts say and what our human mind thinks can be accomplished by, by him. That's good. That's very good. One passage that came to mind for me, uh, most important behaviors that we could exhibit in God's eyes would be Micah six eight. Most most people probably know this one, but more than all the achievements that we can hope for in our kids, and of course for us, all of our kids are really young. But certainly those some of those listening are probably a little bit have a little bit older kids too. So this might look a little bit different for them. Uh, I think for for sure for me as my kids grow up. I could see this, you know, in more ways than I see it now. But that passage calls us that that tells us that, that God's not as concerned with um, at all the burnt sacrifices and things like that, but rather that we do justice, we walk humbly, we love mercy and kindness. And so, to kind of flesh out what those ideas say, what those important behaviors are, that we would. Do justice means that we would want our kids to participate in and lead justly in in their activities in life. So that could be as simple as joining, you know, the kingdom work in your local community of of participating in justice. 
rescuing orphans and widows, rescuing those being trafficked, um, advocating for the life of the unborn. There's lots of different ways that our kids can do justice as we lead them in that. That's important behavior that we want to praise and encourage to love mercy and kindness, to prioritize that to uh, we want our kids to enjoy giving to others in, in a selfless way. Whenever I've seen my kids do that, or you see other kids do that, it's just like, man, I want my kids to be doing that when they're in middle school and they're in high school. And um, of course, walking humbly, um, we want our kids to be walking before God in humility, that their posture towards others would be like that of Christ. Um, Philippians 2, of course, that Christ is the supreme creator and ruler over all, and he humbled himself in the greatest way by even dying for un- for sinners uh, like you and I. And so those are some you know, great ways that we want our kids to exhibit these godly behaviors. And so I think, man, is my five-year-old doing this yet? What can I do now as a dad? How can I prepare and hope that he lives these out and conversations like this. And of course, Abba Father's all about ways that we can reflect our God and, and our kids and growing and maturing in that. All right. One verse that came to mind was first Kings two, three. And it's when David was giving um, wisdom to Solomon about his kingship. And he said, keep the charge of the Lord, your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. I think this is kind of David's recipe for success was, if you want to prosper and do in all that you do, wherever you turn, you walk in the Lord's ways and follow his guidance, follow his, his rules, follow his word. And, um, that will help you prosper. But I think it's, you have to ask what does prosper mean? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it's in the verse itself. And that's the important part that I think we could miss. Um, if we're not careful, we would put the world standards inside of prosper there and think that the prospering itself, actually, like if I do these things then that will lead to financial success to, you know, uh, ownership of countries to power, to great things, but true prosperity is is finding your worth and value in the Lord and being valued by Him. That's good. Hopefully, David also told his son Solomon, "Make sure that you are never that man." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't be that. Guy. Make yeah. sure a prophet does not come to you and say you are that man. Yeah. Well, that's one thing we haven't talked about here because I think probably our kids are so young we don't really think about yet I mean, we, we do think about but as far as like living it out so far as far as like purity and relationships and that sort of thing but my goodness we'll, we'll be getting there mm-hmm.
So then um, we we've talked about what what do we currently praise our kids for? We also talked about as a dad, what do we pat ourselves on the back for? What is considered successful? You know, what view is that? Are we do we have the right priorities there? Then from God's perspective, what is it that he praises us for? What are those behaviors that he values that he um, he sees as, as good? And and that leads us to, I think, the final big question of and, and one that we need to make clear so that we can we can name it and we can identify it so that we can help conquer it. Um, what are those competing behaviors of the world that are not of God that are praised, that are considered good, that we actually should put really low on the priority list or actually not a on the list at all of things that are important? Some of the biggest character traits and behaviors that the world elevates is independence. And this isn't just like being able to do things on your own, but completely self-sustaining yourself, being able to be independently wealthy, independently famous, independently um, an achiever, not having any help doing anything else, but doing it yourself is very important. Also being number one in things like being at the very top of the list. You're the number one student. You're the top of the honor roll. You graduated valedictorian. Like you have made it when you reach this certain highest level, you've won the gold. You are first place because you were the best at this thing. Um, Fame is also another thing that the world really elevates that if you, the more people who know about you, and can say your name and are are aware of your existence, the better. Your name being well known is 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 a, definitely a worldly standard. And I think the another one is beauty and charisma. Is the more charismatic or beautiful in the world's eyes that we are, the more successful we are or have been or will be, just because of the outward appearance. And we all know that God looks at the heart. He looks at the motives. He cares way more about the beauty of our soul and who we are and the beauty of our heart than anything that's on our clothes or face or hair. And I had a couple of quotes that I I, um, I found from some notable pe- people. Booker T. Washington said, success is measured is not is to be measured not by how much the position that one has reached in life, but by the obstacles he has overcome. There's that like elevation of independence and being you know, um, self-sustaining and um, having pride in that. Um, Thomas Edison said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always try and give one, try one more time. Another overcoming independence um, statement there. Maya Angelou said, success is liking yourself, liking what you do and liking how you do it. Um, Colin Powell said, success is the result of perfection, hard work, learning from failure, loyalty, and persistence. I think there's some things in those quotes that we can all resonate with and say are, you know, that's the, those are good things. I would not lie and say that those were all negative. But there is definitely, a, a I think, a overall theme that independence, independent pride, achieving a level of greatness, uh, being number one, overcoming failures um, through grit, through picking yourself up, through, you know, overcoming those things is, is, is really what success is. 
Um, you know, they, they didn't list financial success or having a million dollars, but if you, but if you, if you really look at it, I, I think that goes against, um, what God would elevate or praise in us if we demonstrated complete independence, you know, in front of him. It, it is through our suffering that our faith has grown, not through our suffering that we become more successful. I think we, I think the world does cherish and celebrate when people are the underdog and then pick themselves up out of it, but that it's not quick to celebrate when somebody is an underdog and they're forgiven of their sins. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, it's, that's not, I think I'm thinking of Jesus that the leper gets brought or not the, uh, the paralyzed man gets brought in through the roof and all the Pharisees are watching and all the people are watching. And he says, you know, uh, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, what? <laughs> okay. And, and get up and walk. But that, that like, I think in, in our world, Rather than even being brought to Jesus, we would even celebrate even more if the paralyzed person taught themselves to walk and yeah. told the story and was a motivational speaker about how I was paralyzed. But uh, through my um, through my grit and determination, um, I taught myself to walk again. You know, that person would write books and have podcasts and be a motivational speaker and be famous for all the hard work that they did. But then when the miraculous happens and Jesus heals them on the spot. Um, I think it doesn't get the maybe the same notoriety. Well, I mean, a lot of the things you just read, yes, we have to be we have to be honest that these are these are good things for the most part, but it comes down to like the motivation for it. And if the motivation is for self or if the motivation is for others, and I think we see clearly on every page of scripture that Christ's motivation, while it is to glorify himself, he just modeled every moment of his time on earth and uh, that it that it's for others, that we live for loving others, serving others, sacrificing what we want for others. That's what love is, and his Holy Spirit in us convicts us when we're not doing that, encourages us when we are, and sanctifies us to become more like Christ every day. So it kind of – you could boil probably a lot of this down to – we want our kids to live for others rather than live for self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of those success things can be there. I mean, uh, where would we be if great successful people weren't successful and chose to live for other people and use their success for others? So certainly these things can work to, in tandem, but uh, yeah, what's that? What's the heart of it? Is it independence for independence sake for self? Is it to be number one for self or is it to, to go into the world and serve others. Yeah. And it ultimately comes back to, uh, the two great commandments, right? To love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Like if our kids are following those commandments, then they are successful and they can do all kinds of other stuff. Um, but if they're loving God more than anything and loving their neighbor as themselves, then they've got it. They've got it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know one thing. I'm definitely going to add, you belong to me and I love you to my my list of things that I talk to my daughter about. Because I think I've, I, I definitely praise a lot of behaviors, 
um, but I don't know if I have if I praise her for being mine. That's so good. I want to show her that Me so too. that when she feels that from her heavenly Father, it's even more real. Amen. Yeah, we we tell our kids we love them all the time, and it's precious to hear my son say back, "I love you, Dad. I love you too, Daddy." But to say. I heard a pastor, I, I read something from a pastor on, online. He just said, you know, one night he went and went in for bedtime and he said, I'm glad that you're my son. And his son just started to cry and said, I'm glad that you're my dad. Just that moment of, he was telling him, I love you, but he was using just that intentional language of, the fact that you're my son makes me glad. And it just like created such a, such a spiritual moment. Yeah. with can't let it go a off-topic discussion of things that we can't get off of our minds cameron what do you got for us this week my can't let it go is something that has been going on since god spoke to people yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um i'm glad god did that i'm not saying he shouldn't have done it but as soon as he spoke through someone and they became a prophet of god they're immediately and has always since been um, people who say that they're also prophets for God. And so for me, my can't let it go is the false prophets right now. Um, and I'm not talking about the false prophets of Baal um, with Elijah, some cool stories there. I'm talking about the false prophets of our modern days. And some of them we've laughed at in the past. Some of them, they've been just been like sources of humor for us in college, you know, like, Oh, that guy's so goofy. Look what, you know, look at the things he's coming up with. But like now I'm, I'm becoming very grieved and heartbroken over just what's happened specifically with the election. There's a specific video. uh, We don't really have to link to it because again, it, it made me physically ill to watch the video, but it's an hour and 10 minutes long. I watched the whole thing. One trick to watching and listening to podcasts that are long is to listen to them at a little bit quicker speed and get through them a little quicker, and you're not missing anything when you do that. But anyways, the video is really great because it, it has about a dozen different prophets, self, self-professing self prophets of God, making prophecies that Trump would win before the election. Then it uh, shows those same prophets holding to the same prophecies – after the election, so after November 4th, and then those same prophets after the inauguration, so January 20th and afterwards. And so it's a very recent video, but he has just these, he's chronicled all these different prophets, and it is insane the way that they continue to move the goalposts of their false prophecies. And now apparently it's becoming popular for prophets to say, well, just because they got they got something wrong here or there doesn't make them a false prophet. And if you've read the scriptures, 
Like that should just make you face palm through the back of your head. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm tired right now, so I'm just saying. It, but like, there's, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I got like five or six scriptures, and of course they all have their specific contexts in their settings. But the principles we can pull out from many different scriptures, Old and New Testament, both is when someone says they're speaking for God and they make a statement and that statement is false, it means that they're not speaking for God and it means that they're a false prophet. What's interesting is, you know, some of them I think know what they're doing. I think the ones that have net worths in the, in the hundreds of millions of dollars, I think they know what they're doing. But I think a lot of these ones that just are on YouTube I really think that they believe what they're doing is the Lord's work, and that is scary and it's sad. Yeah, amen. So I can't let that go. It's just, it's just sad. We we as a church are just ruining our witness. Um, not every single one of us, but this movement within the American church is just is laying waste in the name of Christ. Yeah, I uh, just a little shameless plug. I uh, wrote a blog post on just that topic at my blog, ChristTheFirmFoundation.wordpress.com, on false yeah, prophets. Let's put a link. Let's put a link to um, that. That's a really good blog post. But yeah, I am. I'm with you on that. Um, troubling. Um, my can't let it go is a little lighter. I recently wrote a song for my church and with, with some input and help from, from you guys, um, on cleaning up the verses, but I'm just really excited about it. Uh, we played it for the first time this last Sunday. Um, really positive response. People were really encouraged. It's called God's not done. It's a song about encouraging people, uh, in the midst of, fear and confusion and the strange times we are in to just remember that God has not forgotten us. He's not abandoned his people. He's not done with his plans. We're safe in him. And I'm just really excited. I, it's so fun to use my abilities and passions for music to, uh, serve the church, um, and to equip and build up the church. I'm just really excited about that. I can't let it go. I'm I'm just really hopeful that uh, that song will encourage many more people, um, and maybe I can write some more songs that will encourage more people. So, yeah, link to that in the show notes as well. Never let go, Brando. <laughs> All right, guys, I got numbers on the mind. Twenty six million. COVID-19 infections in the U.S. in under a year? 26 26 million. million. 26 million. How many people are in in the country? 300 million? Yeah, I think approaching 400. Wow. 350 maybe? 26 million. 26 million. Less than a year. (laughs) 436,000 deaths. Hmm. 62 million American abortions since Roe v. Wade in 1973. And 9 million specifically 
from Planned Parenthood that was formed in 1970. It is easy for our brains uh, to not take these numbers as emotionally weighty simply because we can't comprehend it. It is way too hard and emotionally taxing to grieve 62 million unborn children or just this last 12 months, 436,000 deaths. But it does grieve our father. Um, I think that there's a there's quite a bit of, of suffering here um, in families and businesses and communities of just the people that we've lost to COVID in this last year that we, we cannot even begin to understand how impactful it is. Um, and then the 62 million Americans that were aborted what if one of them would have developed a vaccine six months earlier than what we had developed today Hmm. that's that's, one of those Americans could have done it they could have voted in a different way they could have been a president and this has been since 1973 these are 62 million Americans that's just uh, yeah so to me stats stats are um, without stories, stats are just um, stories with dried tears. They're, they don't really tell a lot. And they don't have a lot of emotional weight, but they did at one point when they were small. Um, so just just being mindful of that. And it's got my can't let it go is, I guess, a solemn one today. Sure. Thank you for listening to Abba Father. If you were encouraged by this podcast, share it with others or review it on your podcast listening service so that more can see it when they're searching for God-honoring parenting resources. And if you want to send us a note about the podcast or that have if you have topics that are on your mind or you just want to say hello, you can send us an email to abbafatherpodcast at outlook.com. We do hope to hear from you. Send us anything that you want. And bonus, if you would like to send your hello or a note about the podcast um, in an audio clip in that email, just a simple recording and send it to us. doesn't have to be studio quality. Um, we may feature it in the show, and we'd love to hear, you, hear from you. As usual, dads, remember this, Romans 8.15. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. See you next time.